And before you know it, it's already the second week of the regular season. Warriors sitting on 2-1 after their three-game homestand at Chase Center. What's up, guys? This is the We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, a sports ethos presentation. Your host, Sam Orlick here. We're going to be breaking down the last two games at home, the tough loss against the Denver Nuggets, and what I'm going to call the rough win against the Sacramento Kings, as well as a look ahead at the game tonight against the Phoenix Suns. So starting with the home loss against Denver, 123-128 was the final. Denver, 40 points in the first quarter, second, 70 points in the second, in the first half, the end of two. Dubs trailed 121-111 with about 94 seconds left. Cut the lead to three points with about 20 seconds left, but an incredible full-court Jokic pass to a wide-open Bruce Brown basically sealed the game. Green, Draymond Green, scoreless in the first half, but had 13 points and six assists in the second half. Poole only attempted five shots, had seven points with seven assists and three steals. Curry led the Warriors with 34 points. Green and Thompson still playing limited minutes. You had a pretty lackluster defensive effort by the Warriors in the first half. Other notable takeaways from this game, Jonathan Kaminga only played 17 minutes versus Moses Moody's 13. Moses Moody seems to have edged Jonathan Kaminga in the rotation thus far. We'll be talking a little bit more about that uh, a little bit later in the show. So, You know, what's really going on here? Denver embarrassed really against Utah in their first game. Came back in this game against the Warriors with a lot of intensity and um, really just wanted the game more. Uh, Lack of attention to detail defensively for the Warriors, as we said, 40 points in the first quarter, 70 points in the first half by Denver. The Warriors' second unit has really been the issue thus far. Um, In this game, you had a starting group for the Warriors. Andrew Wiggins finished with 23 points on 8 of 17 from the field. Draymond Green, we already touched on 13 points after being scoreless in the first half. Kevon Looney, um, 18 minutes, 4 points. Obviously not really known for his scoring, but more for his just overall play. Klay Thompson, 6 of 14 from the field, 4 of 10 from 3, 16 points in a limited 23 and a half minutes. Green at 26 and a half minutes. This is something we'll continue to be tracking, but Steve Kerr has mentioned that both Green and Thompson are going to be on a minutes limit restriction in the mid-20s for the next few weeks as they get their conditioning into place. So that means more reliance on the second unit um, new acquisitions, Jermichael Green and Dante DiVincenzo, Jordan Poole, Divin, uh, Moses Moody. So, you know, obviously losing those key pieces in Otto Porter Jr. and Gary Payton II, um, there's some continuity that needs to be built there, and it shows. The second unit for the Warriors has struggled. A lot of turnovers. The Warriors had 18 turnovers on the night. Jordan Poole and Clay Thompson led in that department with four apiece. Curry had three, Jamichael two, Kaminga two. Um, Jonathan Kaminga, we mentioned, only played seven and a half minutes, two for two from the field, two rebounds, 
and not much else in a minus 10 in his minutes. So Kaminga is trying to find his way, more or less. The Warriors are asking him to play the three, whereas last year he was playing a lot of four and five. Um, And also, you know, Kaminga playing in the second unit, the looks that he is getting is much different. So obviously playing on on the floor at the same time as Steph Curry affords you a lot of freedom and flexibility because of the attention that Steph Curry draws on opposing defenses, which last season led to a lot of wide open dunks and open driving lanes for Kaminga. Now playing in the second unit, you've got Jordan Poole out there, um, occasionally Clay Thompson. I think as Clay gets his legs under him, we'll see more of Clay Thompson in the second unit, which should help. But Kaminga is consistently um, not getting those same looks. And so there's an adjustment that he needs to make on the offensive end. You see the coaching staff and especially Draymond trying to encourage the young player to continue to work hard on both sides of the floor, most notably on the defensive end. They feel like Kaminga can really make strides as a defensive three, um, rebound, make the right basketball play, don't worry about your points, it'll come. But nonetheless, for a guy who had a stretch of 20 or so games last season, scoring in double figures, getting good looks, having a lot of confidence, it certainly hurts as a second-year player, as a lottery pick, to struggle in the scoring department and at times feel um, disengaged from what's going on on the floor. And so, you know, it's going to be interesting to continue to watch Kaminga's growth. I'm sure he's going to have plenty of opportunities ahead uh, for him this season and in seasons in the future. I'm certainly not down on him at all. This is just the challenges of playing on a loaded Golden State roster around other young players who are equally deserving of opportunities, as well as Steve Steve Kerr's coaching style, which is one of um, leaning on the veterans. And so Kaminga's not just going to be thrown out there for 30 minutes a night to sink or swim and do whatever and make mistakes on the fly. Kerr has expectations for development. Um, certain mistakes that you make won't be tolerated. And he's going to he's gonna play the hot hand, and he's going to lean on those who are deserving of minutes. So we saw in the opening night that Kaminga got the edge over Moody. Moody was kind of the edge of the, was in the fringe of the rotation um, in the game against Denver and also in the game against Sacramento. Edge Moody now over Wiseman. So that's just going to be something we continue to talk about and look at as the season progresses. Uh, Jordan Poole, obviously a little bit concerning, only five shot attempts. He looked very passive out there. Um, Part of that you're going to chalk up to Denver's improved defense, most notably at the guard positions with Caldwell Pope and Bruce Brown, who were their free agent. Well, Bruce Brown free agent acquisition. Uh, Caldwell Pope was the recipient of the trade to the Washington Wizards with uh, Will Barton. And so... This is what Denver hopes to do and push them over the edge to be a contender in the West. They are trying to become a better defensive team. They're loading up on um, plus defenders at the guard positions. And Jordan Poole got a taste of what um, additional attention and getting paid usually results in, which is teams are game planning against him. Teams know that Jordan Poole is a lethal option offensively 
and they're watching film on him and they are prepared for for him. And so that's just going to be on Jordan to continue to work on his game and find ways to continue to be aggressive, um, score the ball, continue to distribute. Seven assists was definitely a positive. Obviously, four turnovers, not great. But Poole, um, second in assists for the night behind Draymond's nine. And so you love to see Poole continue to, this was Jordan Poole's second game with seven assists. Uh, three steals, also a nice sign. That's another thing that's a point of emphasis for Jordan Poole this season is defense. Now, steals and defense don't always necessarily go hand in hand. Oftentimes, players who get a lot of steals take a lot of risks defensively. The Warriors don't typically play defensive schemes that involve going for risky plays to get steals, but nonetheless, the three steals are indicative of Jordan being active defensively, and that is a step in the right direction for Poole's growth on that side of the floor. Um, obviously, for the Warriors to be successful, Jordan Poole is going to need to be more involved offensively than just five shot attempts. So we will see how he continues to progress and adjust being the focal point for opposing teams. Otherwise, it was encouraging to see the Warriors try to claw their way back into this game after being down by as many tw as 20 points. Um, you know, down by 10 with a minute and a half left, it really seemed like the game was out of hand. A few clutch threes and, and keen defensive plays gave them a slim chance of trying to make a play. Uh, we already talked about Jokic's incredible full court pass that really sealed the game away. But for me, I think the takeaway was it was encouraging to see the Warriors get a little bit of experience. Not that their, their starters are short of experience, but good to see them perform well in crunch time, making plays, giving them a chance to win a game that kind of seemed like it was out of hand. Um, had they had played better in the first half, you would have you would like to think that the second half would have been a little bit easier, not having to claw out of such a big deficit and being able to put away a Denver Nuggets squad. So moving on to the next game at home against Sacramento, 130 to 125 was the final. A lot of things to like and dislike about this game. Um, you know, for the first quarter and change, this was a back-and-forth kind of game. Sacramento stuck with the Warriors. Um, Andrew Wiggins was on fire early, hitting six of his first seven shots in the first quarter. Um, Poole also got off to a really great start as well. Um, and it was interesting. It was 55-55 at one point um, early in the second. And then the Warriors just went ballistic going on a 28-7 run hitting 10 of 13 shots. Steph Curry hit five threes in the second quarter alone. Uh, Wiggins and Poole would each end up with 24 points on the night. So, um, you know, the Warriors scored 50 points in the second quarter, which was the highest in franchise history. They used this to build a 26-point lead, 89 points at the half, which was third most in franchise history. Uh, the most was 92 which was on October 29th in 2018 at Chicago. Other notables from this game, Leandro Barbosa and Mike Brown, who are now a part of the Sacramento Kings 
coaching staff each received their championship rings. That was great to see. Uh, James Wiseman had 14 points and six rebounds off the bench. Wiseman continues to show growth and development on the offensive end, scoring very efficiently, um, not settling for bad shots, making quick decisions, not turning the ball over. On the defensive end, he still leaps and bounds um, from being where I think the Warriors would like him to be. He is learning how to defend the rim, learning how to defend quicker guards, which um, against Sacramento posed to be quite an issue. De'Aaron Fox is a handful. Um, Davion Mitchell, Kevin Herter, uh, Sacramento definitely had, you know, Malik Monk, throw him out there as well. Kings had a lot of shots in the paint, a lot of outside shots hit. Wiseman trying to do his best, doing a good job of not fouling, committing silly fouls, but also yet to really instill fear on the defensive end into opposing teams. You see a lot of guys taking it with confidence and finishing um, through contact over Wiseman. Now, we mentioned the incredible second quarter from the Warriors, the 26-point lead, but not all things were good here. Uh, Sacramento would go on a 15-1 to run over six minutes in the fourth quarter, forcing Steve Kerr to bring their starters back in. Uh, this was not good. This was really bad. You had the game really seemed like it was out of hand. It was going to be a classic, you know, Warriors get to, to rest their starters and get um, a good look at some of their second and third team squads. Uh, you had Steve Kirk call a timeout with um, a lot of anger and frustration. Um, this was after a transi transition layup in the fourth quarter. Steve Kerr was quoted after the game talking about the play. Um, you got a group of reserves out there, and those guys should be dying to be on the floor and flying around and playing with huge energy, and that was what I was upset about. So Steve Kerr letting his team know that, you know, we've been talking about how deep this team is, how limited the opportunities are going to be for guys like Moody, Kaminga, um, DiVincenzo, you know, even third strings, Ryan Rawlings, Patrick Baldwin Jr. Um, when you're out there on the floor, you got to give it your all. You got to bring intensity and energy and you got to make most of the opportunities that you're given. This was a classic opportunity to get extended run, um, but you get played off the floor, you give up a 15-1 run and Steve Kerr got to bring the starters back in and it's not a good look. So uh, Warriors second unit continue to struggling continues to struggle, um, and that's growth. This is a young group. This is a, what a lot of folks had concerns about coming into the season, um, that you lose Otto Porter Jr. and GP2 and Nemanja Bialica, um, Juan Toscano-Anderson, Damian Lee. You're giving up a lot of veteran depth, a lot of guys who know how to play hard and not make a lot of mistakes, um, sure, Moses Moody, Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, these guys have a ton of opportunity and potential and a lot of uh, very high ceiling to reach with where they can be, um, but they're going to have bumps along the way, and that's what we saw against Sacramento, against um, De'Aaron Fox, struggling to defend, struggling to make the right plays, like getting back in transition, which are big-time no-nos for Steve Kerr. He's trying to instill the good habits, the habits that have led the Warriors to six finals appearances in the last eight years. 
and that requires very consistent discipline. And so there are certain plays that Steve Kerr simply just has no patience for, and one of those is not getting back in transition. Um, you score a layup, there's no reason the layup should be scored against you. And so in those types of situations, um, very much so similar to uh, Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr is going to call a timeout immediately. doesn't matter if it's 30 seconds into the game or um, you know, right after halftime or right after a quarter of a timeout. He's going to stop it, talk about it, and make sure that it gets called out and acknowledged and doesn't happen again. Um, further on the issues between the starters and the non-starters. Um, so far, uh, and this is per Anthony Slater, the Warriors starting lineup is plus 43 in 41 minutes, which is the best five-man group in the NBA. All other Warrior lineup combinations are minus 29 collectively. So, you know, we're only three games in, and we just talked about how this is a young group, but you can already see the deficiencies a little bit of this team and the growth that's going to be needed from um, from the young guys, as well as the importance of having DiVincenzo and Jermichael Green available. So um, DiVincenzo left this game against Sacramento with an injured hamstring. He's going to miss the game tonight at Phoenix. He's going to miss about a week. Um, it was thought to be a minor injury, but he wants to get it checked out and, and make sure everything's good. So this is going to be really interesting to see how the Warriors fare against Phoenix. Phoenix um, is also 2-1, similar to the Warriors. They've had an impressive comeback to beat the Dallas Mavericks behind an incredible Damian Lee fourth quarter. That was in their first game. A tough two-point loss to the Portland Trailblazers. And then a nice win against the Los Angeles Clippers. So this is going to be a really interesting game. Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul, Cam Johnson, uh, no Jay Crowder. But, um, you know, Suns have a lot to prove this season after playing so well in the regular season and being um, thoroughly outplayed in the second round by the Dallas Mavericks. It'll be interesting to see how the Warriors come out and play. We've kind of seen a tale of two different teams um, you know, I really don't think the Laker game counts, uh, for opening night ring ceremony, the Lakers, so on and so forth. So when you look at the games against Denver and Sacramento, I think it's the tale of two teams. You have the Warriors come out and score 50 points in the second quarter against Sacramento, Curry hitting threes. You got Wiggins on fire and aggressive early scoring 20 points, hitting mid range, hitting threes, getting into the paint. Um, all of this offensive brilliance that just makes us look unstoppable. And then in that same game, you give up a 15-1 run in the fourth quarter, let the other team come back in, get back into it. So, you know, that's against a young, unproven Sacramento team. Uh, how are they going to fare against a more proven and probably hungrier Phoenix team? That's going to be a big question for the game tonight. Um, can the Warriors stop Devin Booker? Can Clay Thompson get back on track, who just had eight points, um, again, in limited minutes uh, against Sacramento? And, and for Clay Thompson, I think the frustrations were visible. He had uh, three of 10 from the field. He had a couple looks that were short that you could just see visible frustration from him jumping up and down a little bit on the floor, um, showing some some frustrations when he was uh, called back to the bench. And so this is really hard for Clay. Clay, obviously a fierce competitor. 
He knows that he has the potential and ability to go out there and score 30, 40, 50 points. He wants to do that every night. Um, His conditioning isn't there, or at least the training staff, you know, they're being careful with him after two years uh, in change, being away from the game, wanting to make sure that he doesn't re-injure himself, that he's available for the postseason. And so they're going to take it easy on him, um, at least for a little bit more. We'll see where his minutes end up. Clay had 27 minutes against Sacramento. So that's going to be, I think, a big focal point for the Warriors because Clay Thompson's going to play a lot with the second unit, especially as his minutes restrictions are lifted. And so, you know, having somebody like Clay Thompson in there who can help anchor the defense a little bit um, and provide some consistency in the scoring department will be a big help for everyone, including Jordan Poole. Uh, Poole having some more floor spacing around him should help him get more looks um, and not have defenses so keyed in and focused on him. When you've got these lineups of like Poole and Wiseman and Kaminga and Moody and maybe Jermichael Green, there's not a lot of floor spacing and Jordan Poole is the focal point offensively. He's going to struggle. Um, and so throwing Clay Thompson in there, um, especially not having Dante DiVincenzo available, is going to be interesting. Another thing I want to call out here is the Warriors have assigned Patrick Baldwin Jr. and Ryan Rawlings to the G League. Um, They will not be with the Warriors in Phoenix. Nothing to really read in here. This is always kind of expected. Um, These guys are really at the end of the end of the rotation. Ryan Rawlings checked in a little bit in Sacramento and and just kind of looked wide-eyed going up against De'Aaron Fox. So you know, these guys need opportunity, they need reps, they need minutes to build their confidence, and that's what the G League is for. So we should expect to see them regularly going to Santa Cruz and back, um, filling in for the Warriors where there's opportunity and when there's not um, continuing to get reps in in Santa Cruz. So that's all we got for you guys today. Kind of a quick show here. Um For all you guys out there, real quick before we sign off, for all my fantasy listeners out there, you know, whether you've had your drafts or not, um, if you haven't gotten our fantasy pass at just $5.99 a month, I don't know what you're doing, but head to sportsethos.com now and go to the premium tab and get your fantasy pass today. Dominate your drafts. Get expert analysis. Even if you've already had your draft, you get the ability to talk to experts, figure out your ads and drops, figure out your trades. Um, The fantasy season is a long season. And when you need the edge to win your league, Sports Ethos is the way to go. And once again, this has been a We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, a Sports Ethos presentation. If you haven't already, give me a follow over at Twitter. That's at SD Orlick. Subscribe, rate, and review the show. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Let's go Dub Nation taking on the Phoenix Suns tonight. And we'll catch you on the next one.